0: Thanks for checking out the Vox Church podcast. We are so honored to have you join us and we hope this message speaks to you in a powerful way. Learn more about Vox Church by visiting us online at voxchurch.org. Enjoy the message. You made it to church today. God bless you. I am so excited to be with you today. Happy Sunday, church. I am so glad that you've tuned in and you've joined us on this incredible Sunday. We are in the middle of of our Revival Nights, Wednesday night in Trumbull, Friday, Saturday, and tonight, North Haven Fairgrounds. If you've not been a part of our Revival Night services, make sure you come out, 6 p.m., North Haven Fairgrounds tonight. And if you have been a part of all of our Revival Nights, make sure you come out to worship with us. I am telling you, God is stirring the hearts of his people. He is bringing a spirit of Revival. So for every family right now, sitting on your couch, sitting around your dining room table, wherever you might find yourself listening to this sermon right now, God bless you. And thanks for being with us at church. I know that none of us expected to be meeting in this fashion for this long, but God has a purpose. He has a plan and he's moving in our midst right now. We've been walking through the book of Acts and I hope that you've been reading along with us. And kind of taking this journey with us in the book of Acts. I know that God's been stirring my heart every day. Just talking with my kids, uh, you know, about the chapter that we read that day. We're kind of going through it chapter by chapter with the church, with everybody else. And I'm watching the Holy Spirit just stir our hearts, awaken our hearts. And so hopefully you've been with us through this journey through the book of Acts and it's stirring your heart to believe God for more. If you're sitting next to your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your best friend, look at them and say, God has more for you. Come on, tell them today. God has more for you. He has more for you. And I hope that your heart has been stirred to believe that. I'm gonna preach today from Acts chapter 10. And I wanna read a story that, we read a couple of uh, weeks ago now in our journey through the book of Acts or whatever it was, however many days ago at this point. But I wanna revisit it today. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse one, I'm gonna read all the way down to verse 21. So just stay with me today and let's just uh, familiarize ourselves with this story and let's hear what God has to say to our hearts. It says this, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what is known as the Italian regiment. He and his, all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need Prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, that'll change your life, right? He hears from an angel and Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers, your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter he's staying with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea and the angel who spoke to him had gone Cornelius called two of his servants a devout soldier who was one of his attendants and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa and about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city Peter went up to the roof to pray right and he became hungry and wanted something to eat and while the meal was being prepared he fell into a trance He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean, verse 15. And the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made Clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit of the Lord said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And Peter went down and said to the man, To the men, excuse me, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Now, if you know this story, you know that they explain why they were sent. And Peter decides to go back with them to Caesarea to meet Cornelius and hear it from him. And so he goes back, he says to Cornelius, Why have you brought me here? He kind of violates Jewish tradition, enters a Gentile's home, and then after Cornelius explains the vision that he had, The story sort of concludes in verse 34. It goes on through the book of Acts a bit, but in verse 34, it comes to sort of a, uh, you know, a conclusion for today. It says, then Peter began to speak in this verse 34. I now realize, everybody say realize, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I now realize how true it is. I've taught this text before. I think there's so much in this story, but today I just wanna focus on uh, one aspect, one element of this story that I think is gonna speak to you right in your home as you listen to God's word today. And uh, the title for our sermon, if you want, jot some notes down, is a little grammatically awkward, but very spiritually significant. title for our sermon is A Yes Collection a yes collection. Look at that person next to you and ask them, do you have a yes collection? Go ahead and ask them that question. Do you have a yes collection? You can, you know, say to them, I just feel stupid talking to you while Justin on a screen tells me to, but I'm going to do it anyways. Do you have a yes collection? Are you a collector? I don't know if you like to collect things. I have candidly never been a passionate collector of much. My kids like to collect cards. They collect baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards. Maybe you collect stamps or coins. I know that that's sort of a previous generation thing. Not too many of us left still collecting stamps or coins, but people collect all sorts of things. Maybe you collect records. Some people collect dolls. You ever met somebody that has like so many dolls in like a cabinet somewhere, and they collect all the various dolls? Some people collect cars. If you collect cars and you want to donate one, you can. But, but uh, you know, some people, they have all these cars that they collect. Some people, let's just be honest, I'm looking at you today. Some people collect shoes. Some people collect hats. All kinds of things people collect. You know, I believe that the God of the universe, look at me today, is a collector. I believe that he collects things. The scripture tells us that he collects our tears when we cry. That he remembers every single tear. A child of God cries. I believe that he collects our prayers. But I think that one thing that we often don't realize God collects. One thing that I believe God has been collecting your whole life. Whether you've realized it or not. Is I believe that God collects our yeses. He collects every time our hearts say yes to him. I love that passage in 2 Chronicles 16. It says, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro the earth. He is looking for someone whose heart is fully committed to him. He's looking for that person in the scripture says in that text to bless them. He's looking to favor them. He's looking to bless them. I believe that God collects our yeses. Every time our hearts say yes to him, he puts it together in one collection and he looks to bless those whose hearts say, Yes. And I think that yes is more than just a phrase. Yes is actually a whole mentality for life. Yes is a mindset toward God. It is the presupposition of favor from heaven. It is the deep-rooted conviction that the God who created the cosmos is good. He is a good God and his intention for you is good. Regardless of what you see today, regardless of what your circumstances may testify towards, the God of the universe, according to the scripture decrees over your life that his purpose for you is good. It's a good purpose. And so when you approach God, you approach with a mentality that already presupposes a yes. Look at that person next to you and say, it's time to collect some yeses with God. It's time to collect some yeses with God. I believe that every yes means something to God. When you say yes to surrender, when you say yes to repentance, when you say yes to humility, when you say yes to God's plan for your life over your plan for your life, when you say yes to holy interruptions, when you say yes with your money, when you say yes with your time, when you say yes with your relationships. I know for me, uh, these last five months, Have certainly been an assault upon my yes mentality. Are you feeling that? Because you know, you make plans, you have an attitude of faith, and I feel like these last five months have been full of nos and maybes and not yets. You know, think about all the plans you've had that have been disrupted. You're like, Justin, I wanna think about this. No, you actually do have to think about this. All the plans that have been disrupted over these last five months, I think about it for the church. You know, all of those who have been sick with COVID that we as a church have tried to stand with, pray with, support. That's been a challenging interruption to our yes mentality. And I know for some it's been very, very serious. For others, it's been a cold that has passed, but it's serious. You know, and then you look at all the other plans that the church has had that we've had to say not yet or maybe to. You know, things like launching Vox New Britain on Easter Sunday. That is now months in the rearview mirror, and we still are not meeting weekly with that location in person. And if you're a part of that launch, I'm saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. When? I don't know yet, but it's coming in Jesus' name. Or you look at our Vox Church Worcester launch that we've been planning, praying for that city, contending, asking God to shake Worcester, awaken hearts, change lives, preparing, getting ready, and then, oh, nope, not yet, not yet not in the timing that we thought. You know, many of you know, we've been talking about it for a long time, we are building our anchor location in Brantford, Connecticut, just a couple of minutes from downtown New Haven. Very excited about that. We just finished our central offices. Going through that whole process of construction has been great. It's actually gone really well. We're excited about the future in our central offices. But the planning and zoning process for the main building Planning and zoning is not exactly open and normally operating in the town. And so it's meant to not yet, it's meant to wait, it's meant that we have to pause, you know? And that's just in ministry, just a couple of examples, but think about all the things in your own life, in your family that have been not yet, or no's, or maybes. You know, I know in our journey, we have been hopeful to adopt our foster daughter and uh, this whole process has just caused everything to slow down. Everything to come really to a a very slow, slow halt, you know, and uh, you look at, you know, the kids that, you know, are getting behind in school and all the challenges that come with that. You know, we recently, my wife and I planned our vacation every year. We like to go to Florida and see her family is living in Florida and so we love to go there and just get to sp- spend some time with that family and it's awesome. It's like a, a great oasis in the middle of a crazy year and so we planned it, we prepared it. Not sure if you've been paying attention to the news, Florida's a little crazy and so we were trying to make plans around that. Can we make this work? And, and it ended up that her family tested positive for COVID, the family we were going to see. And they're doing much better now, thank you. Those that have known and been praying for them. They're doing great, but it meant that we had to cancel our plans and you know, do a staycation because we haven't spent enough time in our house already, right, like you. And so I found myself a couple weeks ago on vacation at Kwasi. Come on, somebody. And I'm walking around Kwasi, And my kids are like, you know, we're just trying to fill the days. You know what I mean? My kids are like, Dad, can we go? Because we're going to go to Six Flags, but Six Flags isn't open. And so we had to go to Kwasi. And so, you know, here we are, if you've never been there. God bless you, but uh, but you know I I'm there walking around and it's 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 fine. They have one roller coaster that my kids went on 314 times, and and we're there and we're doing Kwasi and We did every single you know ride at quasi 15 times, and then we do every you know uh, every uh, water slide, and and I'm going back up the slide and down and again and back up the slide, and I could feel that no mentality just kind of you know sneaking it. No more. I don't want to do that and say more. I want to do because no seems to be suffocating us right now you know your business is not going to expand that hire is not going to take place that new job is not going to move forward that relationship is not advancing those opportunities you thought were coming are not coming no no not yet maybe maybe but probably not that's the world it seems that we're living in and the yes mentality that God has decreed over your life is in jeopardy come on I know I'm talking to you right now and so this assault upon our yes impacts us in a deep way And you look at the scripture and you see people who maintained a yes mindset in the midst of a no world. You know, you look at a guy like Joseph, who is betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, accused of a crime he didn't commit, thrown into prison. And yet somehow, in the midst of all of this injustice, in the midst of all of this inequality, he just keeps that yes mentality. And he says, I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what the world around me seems to portray. I got a yes in my soul. I am telling you right now through this screen in Jesus name, the spirit of Jesus wants to give you such a yes in your soul that no matter what's happening in your circumstances, that yes on the inside conquers the no on the outside in Jesus name. You know, I think about in the New Testament, Mary who gets this decree from an angel before she is Married to a different Joseph in the New Testament. Don't get the people confused, right? And, uh, and Mary is told you're gonna have a child by the Holy Spirit. This is going to ostracize you from your family and friends because they're going to think that you were sleeping around. And her response to this mystery is yes. She has a yes mentality. And that yes propels her into an incredible calling. We're still talking about it today there is a profound power that I believe is only available to those who internalize and embody an attitude of yes towards God. I remember when I was in college, I was a junior in college, and I'd been a part of a Christian uh, campus group, Campus Crusade for Christ at my college, and, and they decided to put on an outreach for our entire school. And uh, it was called an I agree with campaign. Maybe you've never uh, heard of one of those, but this is something Campus Crusade did for years at different college campuses. I agree with campaign was a campaign where uh, everybody in your Christian group would wear these t-shirts to say, I agree with someone. And then it would give a date and a time on the back of the shirt. And you would gather as many people as you can. And that someone would go and share about Christ and make it an opportunity to invite people to Jesus. And so we started planning this and preparing this. And here I am, whatever, 19 years old, or maybe 20 at the time. And, and, uh, they, started going around and they they looked at me and they said, Justin, would you be willing to be the one who shares that day? And you know, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even pray about it. I didn't even do it. I just said, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Sounds good. I'll do it. Yes. And so they print all these shirts that say, I agree with Justin, bright red shirts, white writing. I agree with Justin on the back. It said like the quad Thursday, 530 PM. And so everybody starts wearing these shirts every day. And before you know it, our campus is saturated with, I agree with shirts all over the place. And so people are asking, people say, who's Justin? What's going on? What do you agree with? Them about what are you talking about? And they say, Oh, go to the quad 530 on Thursday, you'll find out. So, all these people are asking questions and saying, Well, who's Justin? What's going on? And of course, thousands of students on my university campus, nobody knows me, it is what it is. But the day comes and they give me a t shirt that just says, I am Justin, and now I got to walk up there and talk about Jesus. And my yes was sliding into maybe no, probably not. What in the world did I agree to? And I can remember that just a few minutes before I had to go out and share, I was pacing my dorm room as a kid just saying, (laughs) <laughs> I'm terrified. I am shaking. I am sweating. I am. I can't do this. I can't stand up in front of my professors and stand up in front of my, my fellow students and just share about Christ boldly. I am scared out of my mind. And I remember I got on my face, literally on my face, laid on the ground in my dorm. God knows what's happened in that dorm room before I got there, but that dorm room, and I'm just crying out to God saying, God, I need you to intervene. I need you to change me. And here's what happened, friend. Don't miss this. I'm telling you this moment, shifted the entire trajectory of my life. The spirit of the living God came upon me, just like we read in the book of Acts, and a boldness filled my spirit to such a degree that from that day on. I have never felt timid or ashamed in sharing Christ in any circumstance since then. I have had my life threatened. I have stood before tens of thousands of people. I have traveled the world talking about Jesus and a timid guy who had no courage was baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment with a boldness from heaven that has not left me these 17 years later because I just gave God one little yes. Come on, look at that person next to you and say, have you been collecting yeses? Have you been collecting yeses? I got up, I shared about Jesus that day. People gave their lives to Christ, and that boldness has stayed with me. That confidence from the Holy Spirit, not from me, has stayed with me ever since. I've never been the same. I love what Thomas Edison, a man who knew a little bit about failures, said. He said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up course, the man who had over 10,000 failures in his attempt to make the light bulb. And so we see that in your own life right now, a yes could propel you into a whole new level of experience, victory, power, and success in the calling for your life. But you've got to start collecting some yeses I love this story about Cornelius because Cornelius has a yes mentality. He's a Roman soldier, he doesn't know much about God and yet he keeps saying yes with his heart. When the angel comes to him, he says that, Cornelius, God's heard all your prayers. You don't even hardly know who God is. You don't have the traditions of the Jews. You don't understand who the living God is. You're a Roman. You've got all these convoluted concepts of deity, but your heart's saying yes. You're giving to the poor. You're asking God to show you who he is. And this collection of yeses, we're told, the angel says, has come up to God as a memorial offering. Now that's Old Testament language for a sacrifice, okay? When the Jews came to God, they came and they would sacrifice an animal. They would mix the sacrifice with frankincense and that aroma would go up to God. And the scripture says that the fragrance of sacrifice and surrender was pleasing to the nostrils of God. Now, God does not have physical nostrils like we do. It's a picture for us to understand the heart of the divine, that God loves sacrifice. He loves humility. He loves a yes in the spirit of a person seeking him. It's like an aroma that deeply satisfies God. Think about the last time you stepped into a room and the aroma overtook your senses. You know, think about mom's house on Thanksgiving, you know, where you come walking in and you smell, come on, you can smell it right now. You smell the turkey and you smell the mashed potatoes. I don't know what you like, the sweet potatoes. Maybe it's cornbread, maybe it's collard greens, maybe it's stuffing, whatever it is you like, and you start to smell that smell on Thanksgiving, and it's like, wow, this aroma starts to overtake your senses. The scripture says that the posture of Cornelius's heart was like an aroma that overtook God's senses, and he comes with a visitation. I wonder how many visitations are awaiting a yes mentality to be released in your life. That if you just had that yes heart, that God would start speaking to you and moving in your life like never before. And I love that it's just little things. It's little things, don't get me wrong. Cornelius didn't earn a blessing from God. That's not how God works. It was the humility. It was the posture of trust that so deeply attracted God. I remember as a young man, 14, 15 years old, that God challenged me to wake up at 5.45 every morning and seek God in prayer and reading the the Bible for an hour before I went to school, before I went to high school. And I remember as a kid, this was like the most difficult thing on planet earth because high school students like to sleep 14 to 15 hours a night you know and so i like staying up late and waking up early was not awesome but I had this thirst for God. I had this ache for God. I had a yes mentality. And so I started getting up early. And I remember opening my windows in the wintertime so that the freezing cold air would blow into my room and I would wake up. This is before I could drink coffee, you know, and I would just ask God to keep me awake. And sometimes I'd fall back asleep while I was praying. But those that pursuit of God, that attitude of heaven, it allowed the favor of God to be released in my life where God started meeting me, speaking to me, moving through me, using me, pushing me out far beyond what I thought I could do because I just was collecting invisible, seemingly insignificant yeses. Yes, God, I'll seek you. Yes, God, I'll wake up earlier. Yes, God, I'll read the scripture even though half time I don't even know what it's talking about. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, little yeses. Now we're told in the story at the same time Peter has this vision, right? He has this very awkward vision from our perspective. If you don't know much about Jewish dietary law, he's seeing reptiles in the sky and God's telling him to eat them. You know, it's like, what is happening right now? But in Jewish law, certain animals were unclean. And so uh, God is speaking to Peter about the changing of the Testaments from Old Testament to New Testament. He's saying now there's a new paradigm that you have to embrace, Peter, that God has changed how things operate, that those dietary laws were to point you to Jesus. Jesus. And now Christ has fulfilled the law and the dietary laws are no longer necessary. And so he is messing with Peter's paradigm, with his box. Peter's very uncomfortable with this. And I love how Peter responds to God where he's like, no, Lord, I will never eat those things. Like, hey, just as a you know little piece of advice, when God speaks, don't say no, Lord, because Lord means you're submitted and, and no means you're not submitted. So that doesn't make any sense at all. But he says no, Lord, because he's uncomfortable with the new paradigm. Come on, I'm talking to somebody who's been stuck on your couch for five months. Say, Justin, I'm tired of watching church on a TV screen. I'm tired of doing it this way. I'm tired of Zooming my community group. Listen, I'm tired of it too. But I think that there's something for us to learn in this discomfort. I think that God messing with our paradigm might just be a good thing. Because God responds to Peter with this statement. He says, do not call anything impure, that God has made clean. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And that's just one of those pause moments. It's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Are you still talking about animals, God? Or are you trying to get my attention about something else? Because see, God was trying to teach Peter about Cornelius. He was trying to teach Peter about a much greater truth than just the dietary laws of the Jewish people. God was actually using this smaller truth about the change in dietary laws to reveal a bigger truth, that it was time for the whole world to hear the gospel, that it was time for the Gentile world to hear the gospel. And so it's interesting, and this is very important, stay with me, that God uses this vision about animals and dietary law to reveal a bigger truth about the kingdom of God advancing to the Gentiles. Why would God not show Peter a vision of Cornelius? Or Gentiles across the planet coming to faith in Jesus? Why would he show him animals? And it's an interesting thought. And I believe it's probably because Peter couldn't handle a direct conversation. Peter was so entrenched in his perspective that he wouldn't open himself to a whole new way of looking at life. And so don't miss this. God uses an indirect message about diet to produce a greater change about the gospel spreading all over the world. And I believe that for many of us, that's what God is doing in your heart right now. That you have seen these last five months as a disruption to your regularly scheduled program. Not not realizing that God is actually trying to use an indirect message to produce a fundamental change in the way you approach him for the rest of your life. See, for some of us, this, just look at me today. I love you. For some of us, this global pandemic is actually exposing your addiction to busyness. And because your schedule and your travel and your plans and your advancement have been completely demolished, you still haven't caught your bearings because you're not willing to submit to a slower cadence that provides Sabbath rest and so you're flailing and you're frustrated and you're anxious and you're trying to push a boulder up a hill that it can never get up because you're unwilling to submit to a new cadence that God is trying to introduce into your life to say friend you've you filled every nanosecond of your life with busyness so much so that you don't have the time to hear my voice and this is an invitation for a whole new way of life and I I'm using a global pandemic to introduce you to a different way of living so that after this thing passes, you've engaged me in a way that you never would have otherwise. For some of us, it has to do with your marriage. It has to do with the fact that you've been avoiding your family for years, producing bad habits where you don't take the time to invest deep in relationship and now having been trapped in the house together for five months, God is pushing you and hopefully even forcing you to renegotiate how life works at home so that you can establish some healthy boundaries, some healthy cadences that will produce a fruitful family and you'll take it with you in the years to come. I'm talking to somebody right now through this screen. For some of us, this has completely challenged our whole concept of identity, that for too long you've been what you produce And now because your production has been disrupted, you're not sure who you are. What if the last last five months haven't actually been a delay at all? What if they have been God's divine renovation project on your soul? What if God knew you couldn't move forward until you dealt with some of these things, so he had to slam on the brakes so that you would take the time to renegotiate some of the ways You do life. Like Peter, there's a resistance, a natural resistance to these things. Maybe, friend, you need to stop asking, when is this going to end? And you need instead to start saying yes to the deeper change God wants to do in your heart. Because this may not at all be a detour, both for our church and for your personal life this may instead be the deconstruction of the false idols and the false self that we have for far too long held onto. And so just like Peter, God seems to always be working on 10 different levels. He's got men going to Joppa. He's got Cornelius having a vision. He's got Peter getting a dream about animals. He's got all these different things going on at the same time. And so he moves his mission forward and pushes us And Peter eventually grows into a yes. He comes down off that roof. He says, I'm the one you're looking for. Doesn't even know what he's saying yes to, but he goes with these men. And he goes into Cornelius' house. And he arrives at Cornelius' home, still relatively clueless. And he hears the story about the angel who visited Cornelius and told him to go get Peter who was in Joppa staying at Simon the Tanner's house. And he comes back and he hears it all. And then there's this moment of breakthrough in verse 34. Look at it with me again, stay with me. It says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize, everybody say realize. I now realize, realize, realize. I hope you realize today. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I now realize. Now, this is one of those rare moments, and we've explored this before at Vox Church, where the language of the original Greek doesn't come through clearly in the English, because we read that word realize, and from our postmodern 2020 perspective, you know, we hear, I now understand, I now perceive, I now grasp. But you need to know that this is the only time in the New Testament where that particular Greek word is translated realize. Every other time, it has actually a very different connotation. In other contexts, that same Greek word is translated overtaken. In another place, it's translated apprehended or ambushed. Let me give you some examples. In Mark chapter 9, there's a boy who's possessed by a demon. And it says that this boy was ambushed by the demon he was realized all right he was controlled he was consumed he was attacked by the demon in another time they arrest a woman caught in adultery and when they apprehend her they use this word in the greek and so this word doesn't really mean realize in terms of i comprehend or understand what it really means is ambushed. And so what Peter's trying to get across here is not that, you know, I've done some reflection and some consideration. I've come to the conclusion that God shows no favoritism. No, 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 no. Peter was blind. Peter had no clue what he was doing, where he was going. He was just saying yes, yes, yes. Unaware of his own prejudices and biases, he just kept saying yes to God. And in the midst of all of his yeses, he gets ambushed by heaven and he has revelation. And God, by the Holy Spirit gives him supernatural sight, and he starts to realize that there's far more going on than he saw otherwise. Friend, this is how our hearts actually are changed and transformed. Look how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 2. Look at this. He says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. What does that mean? It means keep saying yes. It means say yes to time alone with him. Say yes to prayer. Say yes to what you do understand. Say yes every chance you get. Say yes to repentance. Say yes to humility. Say yes to his plans. Say yes to delays. Say yes to things you cannot comprehend or fully conceive. Keep saying yes. Verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do you see it? Do you see it? This is a mystery that when you say yes to Christ every single time, God goes to work in the invisible places of your heart. He starts untangling fears you don't even know are there. He starts healing insecurity and offenses that you are not even aware of. He starts exposing pride that's keeping you from the fullness that he has for your life. He starts making you whole in supernatural ways that you are incapable of accomplishing yourself. And then... Sight comes and you can begin to see things you were unable to see previously simply because you were collecting yeses before God. I wonder if there are small things in your life today where you have responded to God with a hesitant no, when he's called you to seek him, when he's called you to open your heart, look at me today, when he's called you to forgive that person, when he's called you to trust him with those resources, when he's called you to take that step of faith and you've hesitated and delayed obedience is disobedience, you haven't had a heart that says yes. I remember in my own story, meeting Jesus as a teenage kid, And battling so profoundly with condemnation and shame for my sin. Feeling like I was always one step away from God because of the sinful things I did and thought and felt. And I remember always feeling guilty. And this spider web of OCD, and I don't use that term lightly, compulsive shameful condemnation consumed my thoughts. And I can remember thinking to myself, I don't know if my mind will ever be clear. My mind seemed like a spider web, unable to focus, unable to trust, unable to stand in peace. I didn't know anything about the shalom that the Bible talked about, this place of deep personal peace. Maybe you find yourself that way right now, always condemned, always anxious, always fearful, always worried. Friend, I have been there. And I was so anxious, I was so worried. And I can remember praying, God, it's going to take you a Lifetime to untangle the spider web up in Justin's mind because I am so tangled up up here that it's just never gonna be clear. And I can remember in all the little ways trying to say yes, 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 unsure how to ever clarify my mind, but studying God's word, seeking God's word. And then a couple of years went by. And I remember the day, I can tell you, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was driving my 1986 Honda Accord down Skiff Street in Hamden. And as I was sitting at a stoplight, something dawned on my soul that the anxiety, that the confusion, that the condemnation that had burdened my mind for so long had sometime along the line lifted and I wasn't even sure when, but I knew that it was gone. Sight had come and I realized that God had broken that mindset off of me and I could now see clearly, think clearly, feel clearly, trust clearly as I never could before. And I just began to weep because I said, Lord, you were at work in me giving me the desire And the power to do what pleased you, even when I didn't know how to untangle it myself, friend. You don't have to fully understand every struggle you go through. You don't have to fully understand the depression, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the lack. You don't have to know every nuance of why. But if you will just keep saying yes to God, keep saying yes to what He says over you, keep saying yes to His good plan for you, keep saying yes to seeking His face, watch what the Holy Spirit does in the invisible caverns of your soul. until you find that in the midst of your uncertainty, he makes you a new creation. Yes, yes, yes. Wherever you are right now, in your living room, your dining room, wherever you find yourself, unless you're driving a car, if you're able, would you stand up with me? I know it feels awkward sometimes to stand in your living room as if no one knows. God knows, God knows. And physical actions often ignite spiritual Encounters. And so, if you don't mind, please just stand with me right now. Stand with me right now. And I want you just to close your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself this question Where in your life have you been? operating from a hesitant no? Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us right now through the screen right here. Where in your life have you been operating from a hesitant no? Come on, just consider that right now. I remember just these couple years ago, and many of you have heard this story, where my wife and I decided to Pursue foster care and adoption, and uh, how that process has been, you know, really a, a longer process. That we have kind of, there's been multiple delays through it. But one of the interesting things about that process, and just stay with me as you're standing right now with your eyes closed, is the licensing portion of the foster care and adoption process at the end. We went through 13 classes, we got to the moment where we'd be licensed. And our license was put on hold because we had sold our house and we hadn't yet bought our new house. We were facing a delay. That delay that was supposed to be a couple weeks ended up being nine months. And for nine months, our license was put on hold and we weren't able to receive any kids into our home. And then finally the day came where we closed on our house nine months later. They came, they did their inspection and they approved us. And we thought, boy, what a delay, what a pain. It had been almost a year now that we had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then just a few days after we were licensed, we were assigned a four-day-old baby girl. That little girl has been with us now a year and a half. And she is a profound gift to our family. And I think the thing that startles me about that story is that somehow God, in his perfect plan, lined up the sale of our home, the delay of our new home, the birth of a little girl we didn't know, and a phone call from the Department of Children and Families, all so that these particular people at this particular time in history could come together and make a family. And at the time, it just looked like a frustrating delay, but in hindsight, it looks like a perfect plan. Where in your life right now do you find yourself frustrated, unsure, even beginning to embrace a no mentality? When God right now wants you to give him a yes. And so maybe you find yourself stuck somewhere you didn't expect to be. Maybe you find yourself battling with something you thought would be done by now. Maybe you find yourself in a time of lack. God's best for you is blessing, let me be clear. But in the midst of the waiting, he looks for a yes. Not yes that you accept the lack, no, no, no. Yes that you trust him in the midst of unanswered promises. And so right now, through this screen, would you just say yes to God? Would you give him any no or any maybe or any I'm not sure that your heart has embraced? And would you turn back to him with a holy yes? I believe the spirit of Jesus wants to minister to you right now. And I wanna give you opportunity in this moment to do that. Give him your full unhindered yes right now. Before we go, I wanna give every person watching this stream an opportunity to turn your life over to Jesus. This is the most important yes you will ever make. See, Jesus came so that you could be forgiven of your sins. He died as a substitute on the cross. He rose from the grave to conquer death on your behalf. God came to earth so that he could reconcile the world to himself and give you eternal life as a free gift through grace but you gotta say yes. You've got to receive the kindness of God. Don't try to earn it, don't try to deserve it, don't try to prove yourself. Instead, humbly accept his kindness and give him your heart in return. If you're here today and you've not said yes to God, or maybe you've said yes and wandered away, this is your moment right now through this screen to say yes to Jesus. Pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Jesus, today I say yes. I turn my life over to you. I believe you died for my sin and rose from the dead. Right now, I surrender. I say yes to your purpose and I receive forgiveness and grace in Jesus' name. If that's you today and you're saying yes to Jesus, there's a number on the screen that you can text the word Jesus to that number. We would love to connect with you, help you along on your journey. I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna dismiss today as each of us decides to take that mentality of yes and make it our mentality for the days and weeks to come. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless your church. I pray in the name of Jesus that you expose in us every single no that has crept in, that no mentality that's been holding us back or hindering us. I pray in Jesus' name that you deliver your people from that perspective today, that you would give us a deep-rooted yes from heaven to all the things of God, a mindset and a mentality that trusts you and moves forward. I pray your blessing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Vox Church seeks to reach New England and beyond with the life transforming message of Jesus. If you have been impacted by this message or the ministry of Vox Church, you can continue to help us reach others by giving today at voxchurch.org forward slash give. For more information on how to get involved, visit us online or on any social media platform at vox.church. We always appreciate you taking the time to rate or review this message on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to the Vox Church Podcast.